Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to the Drunken Mustache Podcast. I'm Logan, and social distancing away, we still have on the line Ozzy and Kevin. How y'all doing tonight, guys? I'm uh, pretty good. doing pretty well. Yeah, man, just sitting here in my uh, my uh, computer room, no pants on, living the dream. I like how I don't think any of us have pants on right now. Oh, absolutely not. Well, yeah, I mean, come on, I'm at home. What do you want me to do? <laughs> That's no pants o'clock. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I, the, man, the man doesn't even close the door when he's taking a shit, so. Uh, that is accurate. <laughs> I don't do it. You gotta ventilate it, man. That's not, it's not healthy. Alright. Exactly. For be, everyone involved. Yeah. You want everybody to know what's going on in there. That's that's the bottom line. Pretty but, much. Stone Cold said so. Alright, so. But today, uh, we would have been going to Brugaloo today, but sadly it's been canceled, so... Wait, was that today? Today? Yeah, drive through Galoo. Oh, um, no, I, I knew that was today, but was that in place of when Brugaloo was actually supposed to be? Yeah. Oh, damn, nice. Damn, we've been in this shit for that long? Yeah. So, yeah. as Ozzy as kind of points out, we're all kind of in this n- ridiculous COVID-19 thing together. No, so. Shut up. <laughs> Together, these trying times. Mm-hmm. So, so since we can't really go to any more bars until we uh, this COVID thing is over, we've decided to do some uh, just reg- regular beer summaries of general beer situations and uh, do some cover songs uh, as per what that's requested. Now, I think to cover up our feelings. Yeah, to cover to up. Cover up your mouth when you breathe or when you cough. To, to, to cover the emptiness inside. Um, there you go. Now we're talking. Okay. We're, yeah, we had it. Go ahead and wrap this up. There's no need to be here. <laughs> but, uh, so I'll go ahead. I think we're all kind of doing a general summation, except Ozzy, who uh, unfortunately was unable to find the beers he was looking for. Do you, so I'll go ahead and start with you, Ozzy. Do you want to kind of go through what your plan was and how it fell apart? Well, I guess so, yeah. So the original plan was, I guess we just, I don't know what you, I don't know what we ended up saying as a whole, but I said I wanted to originally get the, like, zero-calorie beers, like things that... There's no such thing as a zero-calorie beer. Or the non-alcoholic beer, that's what I mean. Yeah, non-alcoholic. Yeah, or low-calorie non-alcoholic, something like that. Some some kind of weird beer where it's, like, not a real beer, but it is a beer, or labeled as a beer, so it seems kind of like a cover of itself. But I couldn't find those in store, especially because I couldn't really go to the store as often as I wanted to due to this quarantine. So today I threw, it, I did an audible, and I got a mystery pack from um, a, uh, like a dinner special. And I figured, hey, I mean, I know what I'm getting, but it's still a mystery, kind of like covers. You know what song it is, but you don't know what they're about to do. So that's kind of my plan. So I have three beers that I have never had in this uh, this mystery pack that I'm drinking at the moment, and. Um, so far, it seems okay. I mean, I'll go into them here in a second, but that's pretty much my uh, what I'm doing. And I think uh, what Kevin and I decided to do was kind of just do a general summation of a few different porters and a few different... Um, uh, I think, Kevin, you were doing Pilsners, is that right? Yeah, initially I had tried to do Belgians. So I wanted to do, you know, singles, doubles, triples, quads, whatever. Like, just get a smorgasbord of those. But when I went out to the one shop that I was allowed to go to, um, they literally had, like, one or two 
Like, I could try to mishmash into, um, like, a farmhouse is kind of Belgian-y, but I didn't want to do that. And they had a, a decent amount of pilsners there. So I just got, I ended up with uh, four different four different pilsners. All right. Was that all from the drive through thing? No, I went to uh, House of Hops on, on Glenwood. Okay, cool. Well, Kevin, you are the beer expert, so if you're willing to kind of start your summary, I, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this thing. Because I, personally, I, and I feel like I feel like my Porter discussion is going to be a letdown. But uh, you go ahead and lead off. You know, knock I, it out of the park. I actually struck. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I struck gold, but it was a uh, you know a bountiful harvest. Uh, pilsners that i was able to find and at a you know decent amount of variety within them so i ended up with four i ended up with uh, it was just labeled pilsner by burial i forget what the actual name you just me on the on the names because i forgot all of them and i had a italian pilsner by commonwealth i had a czech pilsner by noda and I had one other Pilsner, and I can't think of it right now. I had four. But anyways, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I started with a regular Pilsner, um, and, you know, it was good. It set a, a regular base. I, I chose Pilsner. And initially, I chose Belgian, just because that's not a style that I normally drink, so... I wanted to go through what, you know, what I was going to be drinking and, like, try to understand the styles that I don't normally go for. So, I initially had the Contrition by uh, Burial, which was, uh, you know, pretty good. Standard. It's very, all of these are very light, crisp, crisp beers, and, um, there was, oh, I had uh, something from Dissolver, a New World Pilsner. So Italian, Czech, regular, and New World. Um, so the regular Pilsner, very light. You still get that a little sweetness, but, it, you know, it's, it's just a very light malt backbone on those. And, uh, like, almost no hops is in a regular Pilsner. It was very good. Pretty, you know, smooth. And really what the... Um, the beers that you get at the store, I think, are labeled Pilsner. So, like, your Bud Lights and stuff like that are actually Pilsners. Um, and then I went into the Commonwealth Italian Pilsner, and that one was a little bit um, a little bit darker. It was hard to tell because I was drinking out of Stoneware Stein. But, uh, and a little bit more bitter, but it's still very smooth, very crisp, very, you know, they're all, they're all very refreshing. Um... After that, I tried the Dissolver New World Pilsner, and that one was by far the most bitter out of all of them, which it's interesting getting that level of bitterness out of a different style than an IPA. So it was honestly my least favorite out of all of them because it was just usually with IPAs, I don't know, they're blended a little bit better or something. Like There's more malts to them. 
and I think Pilsners are usually trying to keep pretty light in terms of the malt, and the bitterness just kind of really showed um, in that one. And then I finished up the other day with a, with a Czech Pilsner, which I think is the standard, so what everybody, you know, tries to copy. And, you know, it's just really light, crisp, refreshing, but it's not that standard, oh, this is all rice syrup, super dry, like a Bud Light or a Miller Light Hell or something yeah. like that. I thought they didn't have syrup in that shit. Oh, no, that's... No, they don't have... They don't have, uh... Corn syrup. Corn, yeah, corn. Corn, yeah, corn. corn syrup. They, they probably just had fucking corn sugar, like something else that's the same thing. Because all of those just try to dry them out as much as possible. But these, you know, these, you can taste them all in it. It's very light and crisp, but you can taste them all. It's much better horse crap you get from, you know, Anheuser-Busch or what, what have you. Like, this actually has flavor it's thought about. You know, it's part of the style to be in a certain way, but it's not like go slam 8 million of these. Like, you can still enjoy... The flavor of them, and because they do have flavor, the the other ones, you know, Bud Light, Miller Light, what have you, are just all, you know, you know, shotgun it and try to get through it and don't throw up is kind of what I associate those with. We should probably just do a review and like just go get some really big name brand and just all like, yeah, we did Miller Light, Bud Light, and something else, but. No, these were all very good. Um, I found the more bitter it got, the less I liked it, though. So, which is odd for me. Really? I, mean, I feel yeah. like I feel like those beers I feel like are better malty, right? Yeah, they're they're meant to be kept light and put the little malt to them. Yeah, so that's what. The more hops like you're adding to them, yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well. And you know, I'm a big IPA guy, and it did not. Uh, it didn't turn out like I, you know, I guess I thought, I would, you know, I could always use a little more bitterness. It's, uh, it's still good. It's still not my favorite style of beer um, in my in-depth. I mean, I had four different types of pills in there. Well, it's not like you don't like the bitterness. It sounds like it's just like with that style, it's kind of unexpected. It's not what you want with a pilsner typically anyway. Because, I mean, I but, don't... I went out of my way to find four very different ones. I could have got three that were labeled just Pilsner, but I got New World, Italian, Czech, and regular. Um, I think the regular ones, a lot of them will be held at that lower IBU standard. And they're, you know, they're drinkable, and especially on like a really hot day, which we don't really have right now. Um, they're, they're very good and refreshing. But honestly, I would rather just have a light... IPA or something like that because that's just this thing I like I'm not hating on the Pilsner and the people who like the Pilsner style it's a very nice style I don't see myself making any anytime soon but um, maybe, maybe one day but uh, you know it was it wasn't what I was going into it thinking but you know I came out of it knowing more so i guess that was really what i wanted out of it oh, it's, so. so this whole thing was a learning experience for you fantastic yeah um, well i mean yeah that was the whole point i guess for me well that was when, I, when i posed the idea that was what i wanted to do i wanted to learn about a style that i don't normally drink 
I mean, that, that makes you better than the Shelton brothers who don't seem to be able to learn how to put together a website. So that's good. I mean... I bounced my drink out. But yes, they, they are awful at websites. Should... I... <laughs> well, it was funny because I know I just sent that because I was curious if y'all knew what that thing was and y'all were the ones who brought up how terrible the website was. Then I brought that not? up. That was the first thing you see. And then I brought that up to the rest of my friends, and it caused a huge argument about how terrible that website was. Oh, no, no, no. Let's be careful. Let's be well, clear. There's no argument. argument. There's no argument. Yeah. It's, well, it the, the, argument, the argument wasn't so much about the website because everybody was like, the website is terrible. But the, the guy who like first put it there was like, but it doesn't matter because they sell out the tickets anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't about like selling out your tickets. This is about like general integrity just put make a good website if you're making that much money it's not hard i want to not feel like my credit card number's been stolen as soon as i put the number in. hell yeah of course it's just like some like 90s level some dude just learned how to type html code (laughs) and like you know it's good enough there's a link in there whatever no this is your high school project bullshit website it's bad, yes. It's... No, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of one I did in uh, college. It was... The one you probably did was better. <laughs> there was also a debate whether it met the, uh, what is it, WAC2 requirements? I don't know. Anyway. Oh, like the security requirements? Absolutely not. There's no way. <laughs> but anyway, a- anyhow. So, uh, yeah. I-, I like that uh, it's kind of became a learning experience for you about Pilsners. Honestly, when I kind of took over for the Porter thing, I wasn't sure what exactly to say because i thought we were just doing a general summations of the beers so i was going to start off with from the wikipedia page porter is a style of beer that was developed in london in the early 18th century it is a well hopped dark in appearance due to the use of brown malt and the original and it originated due to its popularity with street and river porters did you know that i didn't anyway um yeah quick google while i was rambling i know it no, I actually had the Wikipedia page up, so yeah, you know. Anyhow, I didn't, I didn't know, but I'm not surprised that apparently stouts and porters were basically made at the same time. I'm not really shocked by that. But uh, anyhow, so yeah, I tried a few different porters, but for me, porters are more what I drink in general, so it wasn't anything, I guess, particularly out of my wheelhouse. That's the kind of the way I was thinking about it. I had, from Burial, I had the Ulfbert uh, Porter. From Fortnite, I had the Pendragon Porter. From, oh, is it Foothills? Or Highland? No, it's Highland. I always get those two confused. From Highland, I got the Oatmeal Porter. And I think I had one other Porter earlier today. Um, Pendragon Porter is from Fortnite. Yeah, I said Pendragon's from Fortnite. I thought... I thought I said oatmeal from, yeah, the other one. Oh, oatmeal. Yeah, and then up and Adam from Compass Rose. That's the other one. So, yeah, I've had a bunch of porters recently and just been trying them out. And, I mean, yeah, like I said, there's stuff that I already like drinking. I mean, they've kind of got a bit of sweetness to them. There's not a huge amount of differentiation in what exactly you get in the flavors. I think... A lot of people have kind of edged towards more of a mocha porter kind of style recently, but I prefer more of the kind of um, oatmeal, kind of less uh, less sweet, less kind of bitter tasting. So I do 
I like um, Ulfbert. I have enjoyed a lot, but that's also because it's probably one of the stronger porters as far as what was provided. Um, so, yeah, I think there's just a lot to like about them. But I, the problem with me is that this was, like, not the seasonal time of year to drink porters. So there wasn't a lot of selection. Uh, most of what I had available was very general. Except I guess I could have gotten a Sweet Baby Jesus or something. But uh, even those are not particularly unique. Um, Why would you even buy that? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. I remember when I, I was okay with that beer. And I thought it you was loved them. Don't lie to me. You had a six-pack in your house and you're hyping them up. I liked them, yeah. I think it's I think it's kind of shows the trend that's kind of getting out of hand, which is a lot of people try to mix too many things into a porter all at once, where it's just like you know just kind of stick with one kind of sweet additive and it's probably fine. Um, but yeah, you can't get as way with shoving can't get away with shoving as much sweet stuff into it as you could with a stout, because I think a porter is a little lighter. So if you try to overpower the flavor, it kind of takes away from the beer itself and the texture. Um, also, I mean, I like the Ulfberg because it's a little stronger, but even it's kind of strong for a porter. It's sitting at about, let me see. Well, it's not that bad. It's like a 7.2. Uh, so it's not terrible, but you know, it's a little high. So yeah, I mean, you kind of want to have that smooth sweetness when you get a porter. Um, whereas with a stout, you can kind of have more mixed in kind of heavier flavors, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I liked all the porters I had. I would probably say the oatmeal is my favorite. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, they're all pretty good, and I don't really have a problem with any porters that I usually drink in the area. So, uh, yeah, I will say I'm really disappointed that I ordered – I only got one porter from that drive through Brugaloo thing today that was very disappointing i thought i would get at least like two or three considering i ordered the like stouts and porters thing they gave me nothing but brown ales like that's not what i ordered damn it uh but that's what you ordered you ordered dark beer don't lie to the to the audience okay you got what you deserve and brown is the uh cheapest thing that they can make of course, so they shoved, like, 15 of those in there. I got, like, replicas of, like, two or three beers over and over again. But anyway. We got, um, like, two or three light IPAs. Like, we got the Lone Rider Gold Rush. Ew. Yeah, no, I wasn't excited about that one. We did have one called River, and it was actually decent. It still had that weird funk in the background. Now, we're, we're off track, but I just wanted to let you know about my well, like, six pack. I, I respect that they're doing this for local businesses and all that, and I did want to support them. But I do find it kind of like, you know, I was I was hoping for maybe a little more diversity. Anyway, it is what it is. Ozzy, get us back on topic. What are, we, what are your beer situations? Beer. Like? Okay, yeah, sure. So, like I said, I had three beers that I ended up getting from the mystery pack that I have not had before. Uh, the other three were... Um, Old Tuffy, which I've had, and I'm not mad that I got that. Um, the other one was a Mason Jar beer, which I've also had. I think it was like a Golden Ale. No, their beer's good. Yeah, their beer is pretty good. And then there was one other. Um, but the three that I've had that are not... I haven't had a third, but the first two was the Anchor Steam Beer, which is a beer out of California, San Francisco. 
Um, so I'm not really sure this is what kind of beer it is. I guess it is a steam beer, right? Is that a type yeah. of beer it is? It's a steam beer, California common. Okay. What exactly uh, is actually, a steam beer? Like I thought it was kind of pilsnery, right? It's kind of like that? Yeah, it's it's a light beer. Yeah, it's light, but it's it was good. I actually, when I first poured it and smelled it, I was kind of put off because it was, you know, had that pilsnery kind of smell to it. Um, and I'm not a huge fan of it, but I was, it was very refreshing. I had it with my dinner. Um, you know, it had, you know, it was... I say I guess it was kind of had a little bit of malt but ultimately I, every time I drank it I felt you know like refreshed it was like a good beer to have while you're grilling or something like that I really liked it um so was pretty satisfied with that and then I moved on to the rogue hazelnut brown nectar which um at first I wasn't too excited because I don't know I don't really like hazelnut unless it's Nutella but it was actually kind of good too. Um, I think it's better as it's going on. It's getting, it's getting. It wasn't like frigid cold. It was kind of in between, um, and it's got a good taste. It's has definitely has a hint of hazel hazelnut, kind of malty. Uh, you know, not overly sweet at all. Um, you know, kind of brown sugar kind of tasting. I kind of like it. So it's been good. And then I think the other, the last one I have is like a light beer. I don't know. I've never heard of it. Not really looking forward to it. But I'll let you know once I. Crack it open, but, but was um, it? I, I forgot the name. I didn't really see. He didn't it. really look at it. Light yeah. beer. So a, a, a steam beer is in a lager that oh, they cool. ferment at ale temperatures. Oh. So I guess they they use steam in order to heat it up. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's actually really good. I would recommend it. I, I feel like I would drink this just like casually, just like I said, grilling out, hanging so, out. So never I do. It, never even knew about steam beers. So I got a side question. Uh, have you had the uh, Storm Brew yet, Ozzy? Storm Brew. Oh, that's the one from uh, the Hurricanes, right? Yeah. Hurricanes. No, but I heard it was pretty mediocre. I was from Maine. It's aggressively mediocre. I was gonna say which is comparatively better, the Old Tuffy or the Storm Brew? But I guess old Kevin, tuffy. Old Tuffy, huh? All right. Oh yeah. I- I had. I'll give you some storm brew. It's still sitting in my house. I, oh, it's not awesome. Good to drink. Yeah, it's not. There's no flavor. It's just kind of eh. But anyway. Yeah. All right. So old Tuffy is Yingling. Yeah. It's it's better. Storm than brew slightly is better like than bad Keystone. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. It's definitely. Uh, have you had it? I have actually. Well then, maybe I got a bad case because it's gross. I wouldn't say it's bad. Keystone. I mean, it's definitely not like I wouldn't put it past like Coors Light, but it's yeah, it's like. Had a good Keystone, I guess. Is there is there such a thing? Yeah. Alrighty, but anyway, all right. So back to the reason for the season. We're through the beers, and now we get on to the cover songs. So honestly, what I kind of picked this out was a we needed a reason to get back and reconvene, and b I was on a cover song kick. I mean, uh, I was looking around trying. Trying out all kinds of different songs, so um, I've been kind of burning through a lot, and uh, I wanted to see what everybody's kind of favorites and what their rationales for uh, picking these different kind of songs were. Not necessarily what's your absolute favorite in history, but I, I mean something that you're enjoying listening to and in general. So if y'all are okay, I'll go ahead and lead off. Um, I've, go at it, son. I've, oh, I will. 
I will make one note. I, I, I will say that my choices were favorites because I think covers are easy to just kind of, you know, just be like, oh, this is a cover. I like this song, but I really don't like covers in general. And the only ones I really like are the ones that like I really really like. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously. But I'm, these are my favorites. I would say some of my favorites. So I'm playing. I'm playing out to the audience. Just for general knowledge, if you are not aware, I'm not sure how you wouldn't be, but a cover song is a song written originally by one and and played by an original band and then come back and played by a different band afterwards. So it's the same song, it's just played by a different band. That's basically all it is. All right. And they all have different, like, things that make them special. So my three cover songs that I picked... uh, were Kiss Me Deadly, covered by Real Big Fish, Semi-Charmed Life, uh, covered by Dance Gavin Dance, and uh, Let It Go, covered by, oh no, I forgot the band's name. <laughs> Anybody know what off the top of their head? Newfound Glory. Newfound Glory, that's it. Uh, so I picked these because I think they all of them kind of display uh, different kind of benefits to a cover song in their own little unique ways. Uh, start off with Kiss Me Deadly. I think it's the the clear, the real big fish, I think uh, all their songs kind of sound the same. Uh, Ozzy kind of made that point before the cast. Real big fish, you meant to say ska? Any kind of ska punk band sounds the same. But, Your excuse. <laughs> I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying it all sounds the same. But I do, I do like the differentiation because they do take a song that is kind of uh, unique, let's say, and they take they put a new twist on it. Whereas the original song is kind of, I guess, depending on your perspective, kind of sexy and edgy. That's what it's meant to be, and it's kind of got like a little curl to it of uh, seductiveness. The Real Big Fish song is just kind of like a happy, preppy, kind of really go-at-it kind of song where you don't feel as like, uh, you're being really naughty by listening to it. It's more like, yeah, this is just a, another night on the town, you know. Uh, but, you know... It's a big difference when I'm listening to Lita Ford versus, you know, the lead singer of Real Big Fish. He doesn't turn me on in any way. No, I, I would say not, no. You're excused. <laughs> but um, I, do, I do prefer the Real Big Fish version just personally because I like the tempo that they put into it. I like, especially when it shifts where they start really, really fast, and then they slow down in the kind of chorusy sections. And uh, I just like the feel and the atmosphere that they provide, because the Lita Ford one is kind of, like we said, it's unique, it's seductive, it's got a special kind of vibe to it. But the real Big Fish version, it's it's fun, it's enjoyable for everybody. It's family-friendly, I guess, is another way to look at it, I suppose. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's just something that everybody can enjoy, and I kind of like that aspect to it of turning like what would kind of be viewed as like a dirty, kinky song into something that's more enjoyable for anybody who's listening to it. So I like I like that aspect to it certainly. Um, but I uh, before we continue, do y'all have any thoughts on the "Kiss Me Deadly" before we kind of move on? You're right, the ska version by you know. Real big fish. It's definitely more upbeat. Well, it's more it's more fun. I mean, the original is upbeat. It's about the same tempo. It's just you, you get a lot the the 
what's it called, the, um, the uniqueness of ska kind of brings it home for you, because, you know, you've got all these instruments, you've got, like, the really fast kind of punk uh, tempo or punk, you know, feel to it. But that's why, you know, I, when I first heard it, I, I mean, I obviously knew who Real Big Fish was, but I actually did not know the song. But when I first heard it, I'm like, okay, well, this is, you know, a classic. I, it felt like one of their songs. It didn't feel like, you know, like a, a cover of anything. It felt like something they would normally play. So definitely it was a tempo and very fun. Is it word to say it? I will say that if you've ever seen them live in concert, they do make a point of saying that Real Big Fish has many fantastic songs, all of which are covers. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of their shtick. But, uh, Kevin, you got anything before we move on to the next one? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I, You know, it was... I like the Real Big Fish version just because I like Real Big Fish and Sky Music. So, um, I like the up-tempo-ness. I like the, the play that's going on there just in terms of that they know it's a subjective song, but they're also like, I mean, they're real big fish. They're joking around. Um, so it's pretty funny just to listen to that type of lyric put into the ska scene. All right. And then, uh, that's fair. And then, uh, next up on the list, we're going to get into, uh, let it go by, um, newfound glory. So obviously, "Let It Go" originally came off of the Frozen soundtrack. I think uh, if you have any kids, you've obviously listened to it. If you ha- don't have any kids, you've probably still heard it somewhere before. I have uh, never listened to the entire song, and I still did not finish it because I listened to the cover and couldn't finish. <laughs> you serious right now? Wow. Okay. Yes, I don't. I don't like that song. I don't like that movie. I don't want. You don't to like the song, but you've never listened to it all the way through. Correct. I mean, so I did not finish all, you know, every single second of it, but I've listened to the majority of it to know that I don't like it. That's fair. I mean, whatever. The the reason I picked that song, uh, I guess regardless of your taste, is more just to show off that they're kind of like two different ways to cover a song. The uh, Frozen song, if you listen to it, is really more about the vocals. Um, and... You know, you could listen to it for the music, it's there, but you wouldn't really notice it, because it's really all about, uh, I forget who the, the actress or the voice actor was for that movie, but it's all about her singing. That's the bottom line. Whereas with the cover version, uh, the guy from New Ground Found Glory, uh, sorry, I don't know your name and I don't really care, uh, he's not a great singer. I mean, he can raise his voice and he can lower it, but he's not like, you know... Yeah, but he's uh he's not exactly yeah, he's not exactly what you would call it talented. So yeah, uh what they what they really do is they emphasize the music in this uh version of the song where they just kinda kick up the the way that they swick again, kinda how they swing the tempo. There really isn't much of a tempo swing because the speed kinda stays the same throughout the song, but they do do the little uh What's it called? The climaxes of the beats where they'll like, they'll cut the music all of a sudden and then they'll kick back in and they'll run it. And then, yeah, and that's kind of what makes that cover more interesting is how they drive it with the song, with the music around the song rather than the lyrics itself. So 
I guess uh, we already kind of got Ozzy's opinion, apparently. Uh, I, will say, I, I will say I agree that that it is a better cover, so I think this is also a fair to, to kind of, I feel like we should probably interject and say, hey, do I think it did the cover justice, or is it better or worse? I think this is better. I was more entertained by the New Found Glory one, because the original is a Disney song, so it's going to be pretty much just singing. It's, you know, especially because it's, it kind of revolves around the main actress slash singer. So you're right. It is just a kind of a sing-song kind of song. But the cover was, you know, it's Newfound Glory is kind of a, a kind of a rock band, kind of punkish. I don't know, really know what to classify they, them as. They kind of go into the punk category, according to Spotify. Pop punk, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was up-tempo. You know, they got to be able to do cool, you know, breakdowns like you're saying like nuances of a band being able to make something more entertaining than just a backtrack and someone singing right so i did like it better than the original all righty and kevin do you have anything to add before we uh move on well i mean the original uh by what adina mendez was Everyone. by far the best version of it all when it's Hitting in the movie, you really understand her plight and what she's going through. And I think the newfound glory just didn't pick up on that. There wasn't the same inflection and struggle uh, listening to that song. I do feel like they were kind of just making fun of it, to be fair. Which, I mean... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which, I mean, you have those kind of covers, right? You have your serious, let me take this and make it my own, or I'm just going to fucking cover this and who the fuck cares, right? Yeah. Yeah, like... Like when The Offspring covered Here Kitty Kitty by Joe Exotic. I just saw that! I wish that had come out before we had made the decision. (laughs) Anyway. The purveyor of hot sauces and PhD in microbiology, Dexter Horton, and his punk rock band covered Here Kitty Kitty. He does have a beat. Again, just wish we had known about that before we had decided to do this, because that probably would have been the third cover. But anyway. I still listen to it. I don't know. I didn't like the Newfound Glory version as much. I mean, I appreciate that they were trying to add their own little spin to it, but it just didn't really fit. Like, I think when Disney makes a song, it is very, you know, it's it's meant for whatever scene it's going into. It's very tactic, no matter what the song is. Um, and then when you start adding other sorts of like genres of music, it just it kind of for me who really likes Disney movies, you know, it kind of takes you out of whatever it was because you know like Frozen's pretty playful. You get the plights, you get the but you know it still has this kind of like flowing whimsy to it. And then when you add hard rock to it, then so you're really saying hard. that you would not be thrilled if someone decided to cover Shiny from Moana. Um, That'd probably be. I mean, everybody knows that Jermaine Clement is the only person who can sing that song. <laughs> I, feel, I, I feel like that song is a cover, anyways. I mean, Jermaine Clement is that kind of like persona where he it, it, everything's a cover for him. So, um, with that in mind, I'll go ahead and move on to the third one. We're gonna talk about uh, "Semi Charmed Life," covered by. Um, <laughs> Gavin Dance. Gavin Dance. Gavin Dance. Yeah, I know. So chill out. I'm a little. Man, you're bus. the one that don't even know what the name of that Ariana Grande album is still. Sweetener. Sweetener. No, why'd you tell him? <laughs> See, I Sweetener. know. I knew he would fuck it up. I knew he would probably say, sweet. 
Sweetiness. Sweaty. Yeah. Sweat sweatiner. Um, but anyway. No, I, I this is probably my favorite cover, the Dance Gavin Dance version of Semi Charmed Life. It's very much their own kind of cover. Uh, not just because, you know, the vocals kind of change everything. They s- clearly took the song very seriously. They did add in their own little touches, like the the key guitar, the keytar, I guess, in the background, uh, really kind of, that you can hear if you really crank it up. And, um, yeah, I, I when my favorite part about the song, though, was it kind of caught the uh, duality aspects of the song. I think what people forget when they listen to this, uh, the original Third Eyed Blind version, is that this is a really heavy song. Um, it sounds really happy and boppy, but it's it's a song about crystal methamphetamine addiction and your friends ODing on crystal meth and, you know, just not good things. And I think that kind of gets lost in how happy and upbeat the song is. Uh, whereas the Dance Gavin Dance version kind of catches the duality because it's got the clean vocalist who kind of sings the nicer par- portions where it's like you're seeing everything through rose-colored glasses. And then the really guttural, uh, dirty vocalist who's kind of got it, hits all the parts where it's like, well, actually, this is about drug addiction and maybe you shouldn't be so happy about the current state of things. So I really like this i don't know what it exactly it is about this song sometimes you just get a song that like speaks to you and i really liked i really like this one i've listened to it a bunch of times because it's just very um it's very enthralling there's a lot to like about it but anyway i'm sorry i'll, I'll let y'all talk uh ozzy what do you got on this song? you're right this song um because of the duality of and I am a huge fan of a mix of melodic singing and screaming. Like that's one of my favorite like type of metals, type of emo core, you know, post core, metal core, whatever you want to call it. I, I love that duality. And I think it was it was a good change in this song. Um, the original's great. I still think I like the original better. Um, because I do like that the whole time it is up you know, it kinda you you're really like, Oh, this song's jamming, this song's positive because it feels that way, it's, you know, it's got like a major feel to it. Uh, but you're right, the the, the the lyrics are really bad. Essentially, they talk about drug addiction and just being depending on drugs and not really anything positive besides that, um, besides the feel of the music. So, you know, you get that duality, like you said. So I do like that in the original, and they stay true to it by kind of adding that duality with their voices. And it's another one of those covers where it's kind of fun. You know, they kind of did justice to the song, and because their own style is very uh dance gavin dance is kind of a unique band and that they kind of have fun with what they're doing and they have that obviously kind of scream slash kind of very cutesy lead singer kind of feel to it you know those kind of guys that are just like they're singing a little higher than you're used to and you're like oh that's a guy sometimes like and that's what it feels like um so it definitely grabs your ear catches your attention and i mean i liked it i actually did yeah, I guess um, since we're doing the picking one over the other, I will say I still prefer the original, but I do. I am really enthralled by the cover. But anyway, Kevin, what are your thoughts? I did not like the cover at all. I don't like the everything that Ozzy just said that he enjoyed. I did not like. <laughs> I don't blame you. Um, the the duality, the screen kind of deal with it, like when it cuts in between. It's just this. But they kept the background kind of beat going. 
Like, if they had made that beat and stuff more metal in order to fit the screamo that they were doing, I think I would have liked it more. But it was just still that kind of... I mean, for a song that I've listened to quite a bit, I mean, like, Third Eye Blind, you know, standard white bread kind of music. It's just, I've listened to it, and then they have that... you know, it fills you with energy, and you kind of got that good feeling, even though, you know, the lyrics are not uh, something that lends itself to that. But, and then you have a person just kind of screaming over top of it. And it did not fit for me at all. Well, I will say you have a point that the screaming was kind of... Ill. Sometimes I thought it was, like, the, the location in which they chose to scream was kind of ill, like, Ill, like not well-chosen. Like, I like the balance of it. I like that, hey, maybe the verse is not, not yell, uh, screamo, but then the chorus is, or just a certain part of the song is. But you're right. I feel like it was kind of all over the place sometimes. Sometimes it'd be like, hey, I'm going to sing one measure and then another. But sometimes it'd be like, I'm going to sing two and then one, and then three and then one. It's like, are you going to scream consistently or not? So I will say that did kind of throw me for a loop. Yeah, I, I just think they should have taken the instrumentals to the same place where the vocals were going. And I think I would have just enjoyed it a little bit more than, you know, what they what they actually did. No, I would say I would definitely dig it more if they decided to do that. But to be fair, I also kind of picked this song no, expecting one of you to have that reaction where they just didn't like. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's, you're going to get that with someone who all of a sudden it's, like I said, a nice singing and all of a sudden someone's screaming, right? Most people don't like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and like I said, there's just no change in the the music to go along with it like it's that's like somebody just playing the standard you know let it go music and then screaming over top of it you know it just just doesn't work for me that's a no for me though fair enough Alrighty, but uh with that with that said that's all of my covers so i'll leave it up to uh kevin kevin or ozzy which one of y'all wants to take it next tell us about yours i do have Quick, um, interim, I guess I'm going back to my last beer because I finally started drinking it. Um, just to wrap up, it, it, to tell you what it was, it was Omission Brewing. Uh, it's called Ultimate Light Golden Ale, 99 calories. Um, so that's kind of one of those beers that you were thinking of with the light. Uh... Yeah, I guess it was one of those light beers. I mean, I wasn't thinking zero calorie, but you know, it's a light beer. It tastes like a light beer. It's not bad. It's not like it's Bud Light or anything like that. But it's a light beer, not kind of, I'm not, it's not terrible, but not what I wanted to end on. But yes, that's what I got. Golden Ale Ultimate Light, Omission Brewery. But I do, let me think. I've had some Omission IPAs before, they're pretty good. It is a lot more flavorful than any other light beer I've ever had, I will tell you that much. So I do like it when I think of what it is. I mean, it is a Golden Ale, kind of. But yeah, back to the music. Kevin, you want to go? You want me to go? Yeah, no, I, I can go. Um, so this round I did Behind Blue Eyes by Limp Biscuit. Thank you for doing that one. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's a standard. Whole Lot of Love was covered by Santana and Chris Cornell. And I did, oh. Uh, Personal Jesus, Personal baby. Jesus. By wow, wow, wow. Manson. Def Lap. 
Def Lab. No, Tef Lab. I don't know why I keep getting those confused in this past month. Well, it's funny. Tef Lab, Zap, they're the same. I mean, one's completely dead, you know. I think, I'm pretty sure... Didn't Led Zeppelin, though, also cover that song? That was what confused me. No, I don't think so. No, it's been... Marilyn Manson definitely did. So, alright, let's, let's start out with that one. Personal Jesus, originally by Depeche Mode. And, um... Covered by Def Lab. Def Lab, baby? It's most I, recent, though. It's a recent song, right? It's very recent, within the past, like, year or so. Somewhere. Um, but... Anyways, you know, I think they did a decent job of making it feel more rocky. So the original Depeche Mode kind of had that electronic feel, but still kind of down. And then, so they tried to make it a little bit more rock genre. And, you know, they did okay um, at it. I still think, personally, my favorite version of it is the one by Marilyn Manson. Um. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but for Def Leppard, I mean, how long have they fucking been around? You know? Yeah, they've been around a while. To cover a song like that, you know, it's you know, it's impressive, but it's still not the first. It's actually the third version I would probably go to. It didn't tickle my fancy uh, in the way that, you know, I, I picked it as a meme, but... Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on? I liked it, but yeah, I mean, so I guess when I think of Personal Jesus, it's kind of like the original song is kind of um, based on the idea of like having something that you hold above yourself. I guess what, what Depeche Mode was originally going for was saying that when you put value on anyone other than yourself, that's kind of what makes it. Uh, Def Leppard's version was interesting because I think they take it from a little bit of a different perspective. They kind of take it from a, like a seductive kind of like, come, yeah, I'm bringing you in, you know, you want me. I don't, yeah, but uh, the original Depeche Mode was kind of just like, it's a kind of a force of nature, uh, idols and what you fall into. And also just the music from the original is very... It's very strange, and I think that's what draws people to the music itself, is just that it's kind of unusual, whereas the Def Leppard, like you said, it's rocky, but it's more traditional. I mean, you've got that same bass line, but it feels more normalized. Um, I like the original, but I like I like both of them. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Def Leppard version. I just uh, prefer the original. Some of what you're saying... Um... I, I love Def Leppard. This is my first concert I ever went to was Def Leppard, you know. Um, I'm, I'm all in for uh, Def Leppard as a whole, but I think because it was a more recent song, I think they covered the song to kind of get views, to kind of get out there, to be like, hey, we're still here and be relevant. Because it's a questionable cover, because I don't think they really added much to it. Um, I think that it sounded good. I think that the, the riff that is the original riff um, by Depeche Mode does have it, it it takes to guitar well you know it sounds great on a nice electric guitar um, and that's all you had really was that electric guitar riff and kind of the same like ominous feel like hey you know th- these are your idols this is what you're putting above yourself uh, kind of feel to it and I, I, I enjoyed listening to it but the original is is much better I do like the original because I mean, the guitar just sounds very straightforward, 
when the original riff came out, it's got kind of like a countryish, like twang slash electric feel to it. It's played by almost kind of like an acoustic. It has a lot of like twang to it. So it's almost out of place for what feels like should be a very rocky song because it is, you know, kind of like anthem-like because it's got that repetitiveness. It's got that, you know, uh, constant drum, that doom, 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 doom. So it, it definitely is unique in that aspect. And I did like that about the original. And the music video is kind of weird because I watched that recently and, um, you know, they're in like, they're wearing like cowboy hats and stuff like that. And just looks strange and it kind of caught my attention so i do like the original better but again def leppard you know did it well yep uh so kevin yeah, <laughs> yeah. go ahead the, the the next up i chose behind blue eyes by the infamous limp biscuit um, biscuit but erect dick baby yeah. That's what you're into. Sure. Lip biscuit, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, I think overall, I think they did a very good job of covering, you, uh, you know, the, the Who song. Uh, you know, they kept it, you know, a little bit, a little bit more rocky. Not by, like, they didn't change it up completely like some of the other ones that we've seen. Uh, and by seen, I mean heard. Uh, you can't hear music. I'm not, I don't have synesthesia. Um, not one can. You cannot. Well, can. not with that attitude, you can't. Sure. You know, I think I feel like it'd be kind of cool, but whatever. Anyways, back to the point. Uh, I think they did a good job. They kept. Uh, so my main takeaway from because I, I listened to them both during this thing is that Limp Biscuit started out. In a stronger, rockier genre of the song. And they just carried mainstay through the song. Like, they, they took the lyrics and they fit it in. And it stayed the same kind of, like, power and energy throughout the entire song. When I listened to The Who, it was a little bit different. So The Who started off with, you know, the nice slow lull kind of you know in intro and then you know at certain parts they're really hitting it with the rock like and it's something that i missed in the limp biscuit cover not to say that it's a bad cover i think they did a good job out of all the ones that i've listened to it was probably you know a one of my favorites other than the other one that I chose and you know it wasn't like a meme cover because you know Limp Bizkit can have some of that kind of you know they're just joking around or you know but I think that the ups and downs in the Who version is what really took it from good to great and I think the Limp Bizkit version was missing that it was still it was still very good it still had the rock it still captured you know, the lyrics very well and it did what it was trying to go through, but it was missing that sort of up and down that the Who put into the song. Um, for me, I think it's more about... So, 
I actually prefer the Limp Biscuit version. It's the first version I heard. This is kind of like a... Wow. <laughs> okay, then. Um, but anyway, so yeah. Sorry, I just had, I had some more of the Emission uh, Golden Ale light beer. Okay, I thought that was like I thought you were critiquing my decision there because both. No, I'm just joking. I was. You're trash. Anyway, continue. Fuck you too. Anyway, um, yeah, I uh, I actually do like the Limp Biscuit version better. I think it's kind of a matter of taste, I suppose. But I think the uh, image that they were trying to get across when uh, the Who originally wrote this song, it was based. It was supposed to be based around their main villain of some. Rock opera. They were writing that didn't really come through. Lifehouse. Lifehouse. Okay. Anyway, um, so I think the image that Limp Biscuit is trying to depict of a villain kind of comes across stronger because of what you said, Kevin, where it kind of stays on theme and stays on point. It's less about being a song and more about kind of personifying. Uh, somebody who has deep regrets about the decisions they've made in their lives and how it's led them to do bad things. Because um, that's kind of the whole point of the song. Uh, whereas the Who version, it's not bad. It's just, it's kind of weird, um, in my opinion. Like, you get halfway through, and it starts off with kind of like them kind of being in your face about it. And then it goes into this weird kind of country twang, like guitar solo thing and I was like I don't know that that really belongs in this song at all but alright whatever so yeah I just like the way that the Limp Biscuit version depicts uh, things but that, again apparently that's just me Ozzy what's your takeaway yeah that's, that's just you uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Who fan like I, I love the Who um, and, and Kevin pretty much covered it right. I mean, the Who are, are into theatrics. I mean, half their fucking albums are, uh, <clears throat> are like fucking plays, right? I mean, they're going to be over the top. Sometimes their songs can go can be a little bit overly done, but I, I love that about them. I love that I can get a song and you know one second it can be this and the next second it can be completely different, right? And that's what they did with this song. You know, this song kind of starts out slow and somber, but then kind of gets to uh, a certain point that just, you're just like, well, how did we get here? And that is missing from the Limp Bizkit uh, cover, and that's why I still prefer the Who one. It's not even close. But I will say that they actually did a very good job, especially coming from Limp Bizkit, because they have that negative um, connotation, right? It's like, it's Limp Biscuit, for God's sake. What was their one album called? Like, um, the Brown Brown Hole. What was it, Kevin? Hot Dog Water and the Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavored Water. Yeah, Chocolate Starfish and Hot Dog Flavor Flavored Water. Yes, that one. So when you when you when you see, hey, they covered the Who song. Like, what the fuck are they doing? But they did a great job. I think they they got the somber feel of it, and then instead of getting to that upbeat like other aspect in the song they had like a weird electronic um bridge like where what did you call it uh logan you said that it was kind of like type it's like a speak and spell speak and spell and i actually really really like that like i i don't know why and i really don't like electronic like music but for some reason that just it kind of fit it fit very well um it kept with the somber feel you know it wasn't upbeat it was just like 
you know, kind of slow tempo. And I I think it's one of my favorite Limp Biscuit songs. I mean, I've never not that there's much competition, <laughs> right? But I will say that I mean, is the you first. Got the nookie. I mean, that's. I mean, that song is banging. Though. That's a banger. That's a fucking solid banger. Um, but uh, I heard this song originally, and I it made me fall in love with this song. Like I, I love that song. Something about the lyrics, and I'm like, man, this is just so not Limp Biscuit because I should have known better. They can't write this. I mean, come on. The lyrics are great. That's because it's the Who. And the original, after I listened to it and you know grew to love the Who, I love that song. It's still a good song. So it is a good cover. I will say that. It is one of my favorite covers, too, out of the nine that we had. Um, so uh, I was happy that you picked that one. All right. Next. Yeah, no, <laughs> Sorry. Go uh, ahead. No, I think that it's very not like um, Limp Bizkit, and that was one of the reasons that I chose the song. It's just, For sure. I think it does a good job of showing what Limp Bizkit could actually do if they didn't just sing about the Nucky Alberton. Well, I think that's what made it so much better for them, right? Because for The Who, it was a typical Who song. It wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But for them, for Limp Bizkit, it was completely out of the ordinary. It was like, holy shit, what are they doing? This is like slow and somber, and they shouldn't be doing this. And that's kind of, Logan had mentioned earlier, off air, that, you know, this song apparently gets either a lot of love or a lot of hate. And I can see that, because it's Limp Bizkit, so a lot of hate. But it's a solid cover, and it's The Who, so a lot of love. So I, I can see both ways. And that's a great segue. My final song was Whole Lot of Love. Uh, it was covered by Santana and Chris Cornell, R.I.P. R.I.P., baby! Uh, and this one, I... Goodbye, Rope. Alright, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you said Lifehouse. That's one of their greatest songs, Hanging by a Moment. Oh, no, it's Hanging by a Moment. Never mind. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but anyways, you know, actually, I think this is one of the ones, and it was actually brought up by my... Beyonce, because Santana apparently has a whole series that was he him doing you know guitar and having different uh, lead singers for covers, and I absolutely love Chris Cornell, uh, and so I went with this one, and I, I actually really enjoyed this cover of Whole Lot of Love. I think they added you know a different. I mean, it's still very rocky. Uh, in terms of you know the flow of the song, but I think they did a really good job of the cover. I mean, they put Chris Cornell put his you know his spin, his influence on the lyrics and you know how it flowed through the song. And you know Santana did a fantastic job uh, playing the guitar. And you know it was just that guitar. That guitar. Well, his name is Guitara. That's going because he's Mexican or Hispanic. You're allowed to say that. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways, I, you know, I really enjoyed, you know, that, that this cover, uh, just in terms, you know, what they were trying to do. It still kept the main uh, theme. I don't know, it's not from the theme. It kept it, kept it true to what the initial song was. Uh, and put their own kind of like spin on it, so you know it was it was a good one for me. I'm debating whether I should go second this time because I don't. I'm tired of yeah, Ozzy. Well, it up. That's fine. That's I'm, fine. I'm tired of Ozzy dissing. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm going to start, and Ozzy's going to come in and diss the shit out of me. All right, anyway. Just save us time and go second, so we don't have to go for fourth. <laughs> All right, just do, do your okay. thing, Ozzy. Anyway, so I agree with pretty much what Kevin said. I, I actually like this cover. Um, you know, I think... I think it's it's pretty justified that the song is good because you have a wonderful singer in Chris Cornell and you have a wonderful guitarist in Carlos Santana. I mean, if it was any other random rock band covering it, I'd probably think it's mediocre and I wouldn't care for it because you're covering Led Zeppelin. But, I mean, Santana is such a... I mean, especially coming from me as a guitar player, he is such a... He's such, you know, one of the greatest guitar players and it's easy to kind of tell his style because I've listened to a lot of Santana and life also being a mexican-american guitarist i mean it's kind of um he's my dad used to listen to him so i listen to him a lot and you know his 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 tone and his his way of playing is so different than jimmy page so him his interpretation of that song although it was kind of the same licks just done differently was was great you know and then of course chris cornell singing differently because i i also really like chris cornell was great i actually really enjoyed the song it wasn't anything like completely different because like i said they kind of took the song and did it their own way and by own way is just kind of like their own it's chris cornell's voice and santana's playing but it was still the same riffs and the same notes and all that but it still did a, it still did the song justice and i really liked it um so yeah i i, I did enjoy that that was a very good surprise because i was like oh chris cornell and carlos santana that's weird i've never really thought about them being together and then I'm like, Led Zeppelin cover. All right, let's see what we have here. So. Yeah. So first off, I'd like to say nobody sings like Chris Cornell. He is just fucking. He belts. No, definitely not. But I, I like the original. It's this kind of a weird thing to say about a song called "Whole Lot of Love," which is essentially about a guy having a huge dick and just fucking the shit out of a girl. Um, that's a whole lot of love. That's what do you mean? It's, it's what not, he, Yeah. It's it's not, it's, that's it's straightforward. Weird. He's got a lot of love. It's weird to say this about a song about that, but I think the original has more subtlety to it. It's kind of, it's kind of fascinating where they kind of like draw it out and they play down like certain parts. Whereas the Chris Cornell and Santana version, it's just like, you know, it's like a plumber working on the Alaska oil pipeline. They're like, we are here to lay pipe right now. There is nothing else going on here. Um, so it's they are just belting it, like, right out the bat, and they do not stop. They have a whole level of intensity that I don't think the original quite gets to. Uh, maybe in a certain section. But anyway, I, I, I like both versions. I think the Chris Colnell and Santana version is definitely a fantastic tribute. I just prefer the original because I do think, again, it was kind of more, for the time, it kind of verged on the edge of being just subtle enough and yet just, like, intense enough to be extremely edgy. Probably one of the most edgy songs in history. Uh, And then the Cornell version is just more intense, and I think they're kind of getting, cutting to the heart of the matter, as it were. So, yeah, I I like both versions. I prefer the original. Yeah. I, I will agree with you there that I do prefer the original, but it's one of the songs that did justice and I'm happy with the cover. Because sometimes you, you have those bands that do the covers and you're like, why did you do that song? Why the fuck did you do that? Didn't get that feeling. Oh, no. I feel like, and especially the way Chris Cornell built it, I feel like that was something he wanted to do for a long time. Not that we can ask him anymore, but yeah, I mean, it felt like he yeah, was... He's got a weedy board. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. That's that should be something we do on the podcast. We should summon Chris Cornell's spirit. Uh, Hell yeah. Let's get him back, baby. All right. Um, so do we Kevin, you got anything else before we move on to Ozzy? That's it? All right. Ozzy, you're up. Nice. Alright, well, uh, I have to pick three songs, and my songs, um, I guess we'll start off with The Man Who Sold the World by Nirvana. Um, so, pretty much all my cover songs were songs that I really enjoyed, um, and this one being one of my favorite Nirvana songs that I've heard, um, because I remember as a kid listening to it, and being like, oh, this is you know really strange for Nirvana, because I think the song is is uh stripped down right i think it's a uh, done during mtv unplugged so he kind of does it on an acoustic guitar um so it's not you know normal kurt cobain slash grunge feel to it um and i actually didn't know it was a cover i didn't really know david bowie as a kid and um after listening to the david bowie version this is one of the songs where i do prefer the cover easily um you know david bowie is a great musician nothing against that song i think he does a great job with this song but i think kurt cobain he kind of invoked a different feeling to this song i feel like it definitely felt more somber definitely kind of projected the the lyrics of the song a little bit easier um and it was very kind of chilling and i think that's that whole performance of the mtv unplugged uh series with nirvana was that way because i think that was kind of near the end of his life anyways i think he didn't have a long life to begin with, so... Well, I'm just saying, like, it was closer to the end of his life than it was the beginning and the success of Nirvana. So, you know, he probably had depression by then, so that only fueled that song. So, I really enjoy this song, and it's just something about it. It's chilling, and that's why I chose it. So, it's just interesting. I want to hear what you guys think about this cover. Kevin, you want to go first, or should I? I'll go, uh... First, I, I just, I'll agree with Ozzy. Uh, I had to listen to the original for all of my life. I thought that this was just, you know, the way the song is. I thought yeah. it was a Nirvana song. Uh, I didn't know. It sounds like a Nirvana song, honestly. Yeah, you know, and I think that speaks to them to take something uh, like that and make it something that was that was theirs. Um, True. You know, and not have that feel like, oh, you tried to copy somebody else and do your own style, but like, really take it in and, you know, make it your own. Mm-hmm. You know, because we, we've had a couple of those where, you know, they've done their own thing with the song and, you know, we didn't, we either didn't like it or we did, you know, that was, that was their own thing. But out of the, you know, nine that we listened to. I think this one was probably the one that they took it, they changed it enough, and kept the same, you know, idea and really made it their own out of, you know, all of them. Like, this this one was definitely the most changed out of everything. And, you know, I will also agree with Ozzy that I like this one better than the original. The original was a little weird kind of spacey yeah that sounds like david it's a it's a david bowie song yeah, yeah it's david bowie song. So, you know it's david bowie so i guess if you really like david bowie then you know you'll know it's a good enjoy. david bowie song not, not nothing at all yeah you'll you'll enjoy the david bowie like if you're more david bowie than nirvana but 
but I mean, all of us, we're what? 90 to, or what, 91 to 89? Yeah, we're, 90s 89? we're pretty much 90s kids. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, this is what we, this is our bread and butter. This is what we grew up on. This is kind of, like, we were listening to music when this shit was hot. The, you know, the Nirvana grunge era. Like but, I mean, that's also fair to say about Limp Biscuit. I mean, that song came out it, it, during our bread and butter of music, right? But the original is the Who song is old. But I'm saying I, I prefer the Who song. In this song, I prefer the cover. So, I mean, that's why I'm glad that there was, a, there was that, you know, one way or the other. Because I don't want to automatically think, hey, this is came out when it came out when we were listening to music, so we obviously prefer it. But... Both ways. I will yeah. also argue that the behind the, the Limp Bizkit cover was clo- very close to the Who. Like I said, there was some there were some differences in how That's they true. carried it through the song. This one is not really the same song. Like it has the same lyrics, but the general tempo and beat to the song are just not like just not the same. Like how they handle the instrumentals throughout the song are not the same. And someone who grew up in the grunge era, I appreciate um, what they did, uh, you know, quite a bit more. Um, and, you know, that's just from growing up, it was just, this is what I heard, you know. I heard the Nirvana version. So I don't know, that probably puts me in some bias on that. But, but uh, I mean, yeah, I guess Kevin kind of hit on it. I was trying to touch on it hopefully i put it into words pretty well but this is one of those rare covers like uh if you if you're still listening yeah and you've made it this far this is the cover that you should be listening to like absolutely because this is one of those covers that i think really kind of redefined the song and this is probably the version of the song that is best known by most people i mean because you can say uh, man who sold the world and they might know that it was written by david bowie but i don't think i would venture to guess that most people especially you know younger people like us well younger eh, whatever um probably are not familiar with the actual david bowie song um this is a song kind of like um the cover of uh, hurt by johnny cash but uh, kevin pointed out earlier it's one of those songs where it's like i think people don't realize that that is not the original song because it's just such a brilliant cover um yeah and i knew both of those versions like i i enjoyed the nine inch nails version i just don't know why i thought well i think well it's probably that but it's also because i mean it's a brilliant cover and i think a lot of people make that mistake about that and they make this mistake about this and you're absolutely right they're totally two different songs the david bowie kind of goes for a very alien feel which is you know more his forte anyway so it feels kind of like a space oddity or one of those songs where it's just kind of out there and strange and there's a lot of weird instrumentals going on in the background Whereas uh, the version, the Nirvana version is very limited. There's very limited instruments. The v- vocals kind of carry everything, and it just feels very oh, the otherworldly. Go ahead, yeah. yeah. Well, the one thing that carries this song is the bass. The bass, I, I love this song, 
because it has that walk up like in, in most of the song where it just kind of goes up it's very like Beatles kind of feel to it and when I first heard it I'm like wow this is Nirvana like this just blew me away I just did not expect this from them and that's probably because again it was torn down it was unplugged you know you had an acoustic guitar and a bass and a drummer which I don't know how much Dave Grohl was doing in the background well yeah and like I said it gives it a very ghostly vibe which especially yeah, considering the fact that um like you said uh he died short Kurt Cobain died shortly after this it makes it even more kind of it kind of makes it even more enchanting in a lot of ways because uh, it feels like it's kind of from the other side in a lot of ways um, but yeah I mean it's just a it's a very enchanting song and it's just something that doesn't quite carry in Bowie's version in Kurt's version it's just it takes on takes it to a whole new level and I have no doubt like look I, I will take flack for saying that the other one is uh, for Behind Blue Eyes, whatever y'all think. The Kurt Cobain version is definitely the better version of this song. <laughs> like, I, I don't I don't like... I think we're all in agreement. Yeah. I think we're all in agreement. You have to be a David Bowie fanboy to really think that the David Bowie version is better. Because this kid... Kurt Cobain's version Did is just... Behind Blue Eyes? Yeah, but I probably cut out. But yeah, no, I said Behind Blue Eyes for the other song. Yeah. No, but he's saying that the that the man who stole the world is the better cover. Yeah, I was saying that I'm not editing the fucking podcast this much. You're making me work too hard. But yeah, the I'm saying that regardless of what y'all think of my opinion on the Behind Blue Eyes cover, Kurt Cobain's cover of the man who sold the world is the <laughs> definitive version of that song. Anyway. I think we all just agreed. Like, yep. On that. Okay. Anyway, so right. Ozzy, next up. <laughs> Next song, um, so I'll go, the next song will be Jolene. So Jolene, um, that is, the original is one of my favorite songs too, because um, it's a very, by Dolly Parton, it's a very straightforward kind of, I guess, folk country song, where it, it, it does more service as a song by telling a story than really the song and music itself, right? I mean, the song, the, the music itself is very straightforward, but it tells a story about a woman not wanting, you know, her husband to essentially be, um, what's it called? Stolen. Stolen, unloyal, uh, be with another woman. I think it came from, I don't know where she got the story, but it was apparently someone was sleep, somebody was sleep talking and their significant other was hearing them say someone else's name. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, I don't want this lady, whoever it be, in this case, the name was Jolene, to take my significant other because, you know, he means the world to me, you know, it would ruin my life. So it was covered by the White Stripes in a, um, like a famous set of live concerts that they did that I think they went around like all the continents. They ended up going to, I think this one was done in Alaska, in like, maybe in Alaska somewhere. Um, and I love the White Stripes. I, Jack White is a huge influence on my guitar playing and how music in general. So when he covered this, I <clears throat> was a little thrown back because I did not know how this would transfer over because it was a you know it's a very straightforward country song kind of. But the emotion I think is what the biggest thing that I took from this because when you're sitting there crying out, hey, don't take my man or don't take him. This he he means the world to me, you know. You know, Dolly Parton sings it and tells you the story, but I think Jack White invokes the feelings that you would have. So that's the biggest thing I get from this song. 
and that's why I chose it because I think it does a good service to make you feel the feelings that you would feel if you, um, you know, had that experience of having your uh, man or woman taken away. Yeah, I um, I really like the original. I mean, I think it's one of the most covered songs. When I looked up all the different covers of this darn song, there's like. Hundreds of the darn. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think I saw even uh, what's her name, um, Molly Cyrus covered it. And that's a really good rendition as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I would definitely say the original is still kind of better. I didn't even realize how short the original was. I thought the original was much longer, but because of the emotion that it carried. But um, yeah, I think the White Stripes version definitely, as you said, really punctuates the emotion it feels like if you listen to the way i don't even know if it counts as singing it sounds like they're kind of crying out into the night oh no it's completely crying yeah yeah when when he cries out jolene it's he's not singing at all yeah so it's it's kind of like you know it just kind of tears at you a bit so i mean i again prefer the original uh just i think it sounds better and it probably has more of an impact but i can't deny the uh the feelings that you get from listening to the White Stripes version. Anyway. And I think that the White Stripes is when, like, hardcore, raw White Stripes is very, uh, is a very special kind of, like, niche thing. Like, they're not, you know, they have their general songs that people like, you know, like, you know, um, what's it called, that one song that was in Napoleon Dynamite, um, We're Gonna Be Friends. Stuff like that. They have songs like that that people would like, but sometimes they they are very raw and straightforward and kind of gritty. So that's what this song cover was. So not everyone would probably like it, I guess. Kevin? I mean, I like the original like way better. I just thought that it was, you know, more a little bit more flowing and put together than this one. Also, the only version that I could find was a live version. Unfortunately, I think that is the only version. There is like a CD version, but I think that still is like a better live version. Yeah, it's just live. I, that's all I could find too. Yeah. It was a decent live version, but that still puts it in a mediocre cover. So I can understand that. Live Not really. I mean, it wasn't really for me. It was likely they tried to keep true for like a third of the song, and then he kind of like took his own like kind of feel for it for two thirds and it like cut in and out about like kind of what he was trying to do and you know like put it like it seemed like he put a lot of emotion and like literally like a third of the song and it just it didn't flow it didn't feel the same way as the original and i'm a, I'm a big fan of the original so I, I just, it just i don't know it, it just wasn't for me out of out of the ones that out of picked that's fair right. no, that's fair and that's why i kind of wanted to pick it because it is kind of a strange i mean i kind of wanted to go in different places with my covers you know one being straightforward with the kurt cobain one and then the jolene one being kind of you know a little harsh and then the last one being ben folds covering uh bitches ain't shit by um dr dre um so ben folds is a north carolinian um pianist who kind of plays he's played in the group Ben Folds 5 but majority of his playing now is 
solo as Ben Folds, where he his main instrument is a piano, kind of plays, you know, rocky stuff sometimes, kind of plays different things. And this was him covering the Dr. Dre song, and he kind of took his liberties because he didn't do the entire song, but he got the gist of the song where he talks about, in, in the most white boy way, which makes it such a great cover, um, about being gangster and shit and having to fuck people up and ho bitches being hoes and shit like that. I think the, the end of the song, he talks about how his hoe, after he went to jail, ended up fucking one of his homeboys, so he had to fucking put a cab in his ass. As, her, her ass. You know, as yeah. much as a, yeah, or her ass. His and her ass, I don't know, you know. But it was it was funny, because, you know, he plays it on a piano, plays it kind of very slow, and kind of keeps true to the song, because the song is, you know, still slow as a hip-hop song, but obviously it has a different, you know, feel to it, because, you know, it's Dr. Dre, and he's, you, you take him seriously when he sings it. But it was, it was my fun cover, and I really like it. Obviously, the original is better well, i mean for me the original is better because dr Dre's shit um but it's a fun cover to listen to all right kevin um i mean this is ben folds this is clear white red music um and this is an absolute you know just joke cover of a song to me because i mean it just doesn't fit what ben folds does uh, that being said, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, I like the Gord's version of Gin and Juice. It's probably yeah, that's what it reminded me of, right? Like, stuff like that where white guys take, you know, hip-hop songs and don't take it seriously, just kind of goof around with it. Yeah, so, I mean, it was definitely a goof song. I, was, I think the breakdown for me in this specific song was that like, rap music usually has, you know, a solid bass, and it's a lot of lyrics that kind of just kind of keep going. There's, you know, there's not, like, you know, your standard, uh, you know, chorus and, you know, all that other shit. And this, so he tried to put it into the standard format, and it just kind of didn't work quite as well. Uh, when you try to, it's a, you know, a rap song that's a lot of lyrics that are just them, you know, coming out over and over and over and over, and over again, and then try to make it to fit the beat and style that he normally has. So that, in terms of the, the breakdown for me, that was probably why I didn't enjoy it as much. But overall, I mean, I think it was kind of funny. Uh, I, I probably wouldn't listen to it again. I mean, I like Ben Folds, you know, it's standard white boy music, but it's, I don't know, I'd probably listen to his other shit. Yeah, I think what this comes down to is it's another type of cover, like we were talking about, there's different types of cover. This is kind of like, um, for anybody who likes rock music, there's like the Richard Cheese covers of all those uh, rock songs, where it's he's like a jazz guy covering all the like, metal music Disturbed song. no it wasn't it wasn't disturbed it was slipknot right the he also does uh oh, he did disturb he, he did, did uh, he did disturbed he did metallica yeah yeah he does <laughs> yeah but anyway um, swing to it. but yeah i mean this is kind of like that type of cover where it's like it's comedy and because it's so outrageous like to have such a different style to 
what is essentially a very offensive song, depending on where you come from. Um, the, she was a hoe. I don't really see what's offensive about it. She was fucking some uh, other, one of his bros. Well, when I looked up this song on Wikipedia, I think uh, it got a lot of negative reviews when it was initially released, I believe because uh, I think one of the quotes was uh, Dre used his lyrics to describe women as sex sleeves. And I was like, wow, that's very... It's a very intense way to put it, but okay. Um, well, I hear this song is very 50-50, and you know what? 50% of people, more actually, are women, so I just think it's the women hating on them being bitches and hoes. I really just Well, I do, I do, like, putting all that aside, I think it's, this is clearly a song that kind of defined rap culture in the future, you know, regardless of how you view that positively or negatively, this has a huge impact on it. And, I mean, I don't think it's a bad cover. It's a strange cover, of course, because it's a white guy covering this whole thing. Um, I kind of like the way the piano kind of blends together with his vocals, but I think you would get that with most Ben Fold songs, I'm assuming. It's, yeah, I mean, that is Ben Fold. Yeah, he yeah. He uses the piano to his best ability, which he did on the song, like you said. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I like it. It's cute. I, I was kind of entertained reading up the history how he originally brought this into his like live show and people hated it. But eventually after a few shows, people started liking it so much that it became a regular thing. Uh, well, I feel like a lot of, <laughs> not, no offense. I mean, my wife is a huge uh, Ben Folds fan. I'm pretty sure most Ben Folds fans are going to be a bunch of liberal people. So when they started hearing about bitches and hoes and shit like that, I feel like they probably won't be happy. But when they realize it's a joke, I can understand. But yeah, I mean, Overall, it's a good cover. It's not the original. The original is definitely better, but it has a this this song has a special place in my heart because I think it's entertaining and it's funny. I I don't know. I listen to it quite a few times. If I'm being honest, I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, that's, the, that's the thing of covers, yeah. right? It kind of gives you a different aspect to the song. It makes it fun, or it makes it you know a different feeling, and it either makes you want to listen to it again or not. I think that's what's fun about certain covers. Yeah, so, I mean, I had a good enough time. I think that's the bottom line, is you had fun with it, that's what it's there for. It's to be entertaining. And I would say that I was entertained by pretty much all these songs, so can't complain too much. This one was a good one. Um, and yeah, I think that's. I think we've covered all of our covers. Do you got anything else to add on your final footnotes before we wrap it up, guys? I think, I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for joining me, and uh, y'all have a good rest of your night. And to all our listeners, stay safe and happy out there, and click like and subscribe before you head out. All right. Smash that button. Smash that subscribe button. That subscribe button. Sub-sub, please. Good night, everybody.